with Apostle Isi. And um, let's open to Ephesians 4. Um, and I'm taking this off of where we capped it yesterday um, in that scripture that says, no, no man lights a candle and hides it under a bushel. You know, um, and that scripture is in Luke chapter 8, verse 16. So let's quickly open to Luke chapter 8 first. So Luke chapter 8, verse 16. It says, "No, now no one lights a lamp and then converts it with a, and covers it with a container to hide it or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. It's interesting because um, one of the things that God has been talking to us in this season, like remember when we started talking about the season of Pentecost, we were saying that there is something about the message um, and the experience of Pentecost that is tied to an inheritance mandate. And so the people that we see that Christ sent out as apostles, it wasn't, and the people that encountered Christ, you know, and those that were commissioned, um, they were commissioned to serve. They were commissioned to bear fruits. They were commissioned to go and bring in the harvest. And so it is not for yourself that you are giving these gifts. It is not for your personal glory, as it were, that you were giving these gifts and you were entrusted with the calling and with the blessing and with the ordination of God. It is for the harvest. It is for the sheep. It is for the people. It is for Samaria, it is for Ju Jerusalem, it is for Judea, it is for the ends of the earth. It is for the ends of the earth. It is not for your personal consumption. It is for a people to be blessed. It is for a people to be blessed. It is for the representation of God's kingdom. It is for the representation of God's kingdom. And so in Luke chapter 8, it says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a container to hide it or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a lampstand. Why? So that those who come in may see the light. Those who come in, those who come in, those who come in may see the light. This light is not just for you. This light is not just to burn because it is light for the purpose of lighting itself. Everything God has given to us is a means to an end. Every, every seed the Lord has placed in us is for the purpose of it bearing fruit. So we must be conscious of it. We see it later through scripture, you know, but we must be, we must be so conscious of it that it seeps into everything that we do, every decision that we make every association that we get into. What is the purpose of this thing God has given to me? What is the purpose of this friendship I have with this person? What is the purpose of this job that I have? What is the purpose of this trip that I am going on? What is the purpose? For you do not stand alone. You are not standing by yourself and for yourself. You are a representative of the kingdom of Zion. You are a representative of the father our father, God in heaven, you are his representative here on earth. The scripture says when Jesus was teaching them to pray, he said, let your kingdom come and let your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. The coming of the kingdom of God and the establishment of his will on the earth as it is in heaven, it is done by reason of the men that have been planted on the earth, by reason of our diligence, alignment, obedience, and the following of the order of Christ Jesus. That is why we can make those prayers. When you make that kind of prayer, what you are saying is, Lord, recruit me for the work of service in the kingdom. You are not making that prayer so that you can quickly get to the place where you say, give me this day my daily bread. In fact, the bread that you are asking for, the provision of bread is attached to the diligence and the stewardship and the representation of the kingdom that you portray. I've heard a minister say before that if you want your needs to be met, go and do work of service. If you want your needs to be met, go and do the work of service. I mean, that should not be your agenda, but I understand what he is saying. He's saying that in the midst of the establishment of God's will, seed is given to the soul and bread is given to the eater. So in the intersection of both, you will find what you need for as, as a person and what you need for the work of God, the work of service and for the work of ministry. He says it is not hidden. He says, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come out in the open. Now, if we go to Ephesians, let's open to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four. So this scripture um, was shared yesterday at the rise of an apostolic generation. The Bible says, so I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There's a whole teaching, you know, that Apostle Isi did on this, living a life that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits good godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Without humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing one another in unselfish love. Verse three, make every effort to keep the openness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. Um, at the office, we've been doing um, we've been doing a Bible study. So every morning when we come to work, we pray, we worship, and then we have a time of you know staying in the Word of God and studying Scripture. And where we've been looking at the book of the Song of Solomon, you know. And I remember when we started looking at that book, everyone was just like, ah, "Now, wow, Solomon, how far?" We've been told that this, you know, uh, we've we've been made to understand that above the surface beneath the surface of what that scripture dictates, you know, it is talking about the relationship between Christ and his church, you know, but there's a lot of graphical, or a lot of graphic representation of the different parts of the body of the bride, you know, and all of that. And yesterday while we were doing it, because when we finish reading um, a chapter or a, a verse, we pause and then we meditate on it and then we share. And I remember yesterday, you know, we were talking about it again and everyone was talking about, yes, our, our relationship with Jesus, you know, and all of that. And in that moment, you know, I was reminded that if this is really about 
or rather I was given that revelation that if this is really about Christ and his church, how can we talk? And because the church is, is actually the body of Christ. So the church is not meant to be on its own. And then Christ is on his own. And it is Christ that is trying to, you know, the church is actually the body of Christ. So the church and Christ are one. And so this, um, this book uh, in the Bible, the Song of Solomon, is talking about all of this all of the features of the body. And in that instance, I just began to see that this is actually bringing our consciousness and our awareness to the appreciation of the body of Christ, you know, and seeing that you cannot fully talk about um, the church loving or being restored, being restored back to the, back to Christ without seeing the fullness of the body of the church, of the body of Christ, you know, and I started to see the book of Song of Solomon in a different light. I started to see that there is importance, there is reverence, and there is, um, you know, appreciation that must be given to the whole body. I remember there was a time Apostle Isi was doing a teacher and she was talking about how you cannot tell someone, oh, I love you, but it's only your eyes that I like. Oh, I really, really love you, but it's only your hand that I like. Oh, you may have hurt your leg, but because I love you, but I don't really like your leg you know, um, I cannot really have, I cannot really empathize with you. It does not make sense. The different parts of the body are what make up the whole body. Praise God. And I believe it's one of the things that God is bringing to our consciousness in this time. So he said, make every effort to keep oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole body successful. There is one body of believers. There is one spirit, just as you were called to have one hope when called to salvation. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of us all who is sovereign overall and walking through and living in all. Verse seven, yet grace, God's undeserved favor was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gifts. Therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he bestowed gifts on men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended high above all heavens and he has, and he, and he, his presence might feel and he, his presence might fill all things. That is the whole universe. And his gifts to the church were varied. And he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers and representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the word of good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this, why? Verse 12, to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up what? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The church. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to a measure. I'm using the amplified version. Reaching to, a me to the measure of the fullness of Christ manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Verse 12 is where I will, I will cap it. I'm sorry, please, if there's noise in the background, please mute your mic. And so it says that 
It says, verse 12, and he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for the works of service to build up the body of Christ. And that's where I will just get into a little bit today and they will share and they will pray and we go. And so God is talking about the equipping of the body. See, this is not a time for selfishness. This is not a season for, it's, this, that time has passed actually. It is a childish person that is selfish. It is a child that cannot see beyond their personal needs, their personal desires, their personal um, comforts, and their personal wants. We have, we ought to, and we must, by the power of the Holy Spirit, break past that place of selfishness. There's a scripture in Galatians 6 that talks about, you know, um, each one of us doing the creative best um, um, with the life that we have been given, you know, and that scripture is saying that we should not be impressed by ourselves and we should not compare ourselves with others. It talks about how when you focus on yourself and allow yourself grow so much to the point where you now become a blessing to others, you know, and you can be looking at that scripture and feel like, okay, this scripture is telling me it's all about me. It's all about me. But if you track down a little bit in that same Galatians 6, it actually starts to talk about how, you know, this is not a call to selfishness. So when the Lord is asking you to do the work, to, 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 to grow that which he has given to you, to steward what he has given to you, to press in, to lay hold on for the reason for which Christ laid hold on you. It is not just for yourself. It is because there is a body. We forget many times that we are the we are a part of a body each and every one of us we do not stand alone we do not walk in silos and that is why we must remember who our commanding officer is it is Christ Jesus because he is the head of the body it is in the head that the brain is it is in the head that you have all the senses the sense of sight smell taste hearing feeling and that is where the brain, the central nervous system, everything is in the head. And so the head is the one that gives the instruction. The head is the one that gives the order. The head is the one that gives the command. Any part of the body that begins to act independently of it on its own is working out of order. And we belong to a kingdom where all things must be done decently and in order. There is order and there is government in the kingdom that we belong to. And so this teaching about the body of Christ, don't now look at it and feel like, okay, because I'm not an apostle, you know, I'm not in the office of an apostle. I'm not in the office of a pastor, of an evangelist, of a teacher. You can be apostolic in the way that you do your business. You can be um, pastoral in the way that you, uh, you, you engage your friends. You can carry these things in you because Christ is in you. And so this thing, these offices may have been created and designated for the purpose of government and order and structure in the operation of God's kingdom. However, you also carry the ability to express Christ in a certain way. You have a unique expression that helps you amplify Christ to your tribe and the people that God has called to you. So we see that this is about the body of Christ. It's about the body of Christ for equipping and for the work of service. And so we are called to serve. Remember in scripture, when Jesus resurrected and he appeared again to, to, um, to Peter, 
What did he say to Peter? What was that conversation Jesus was having with Peter? He said, Simon Peter, do you love me more than this? And what is the what are the things that Jesus was talking about? Because after Jesus Christ lived and died and he came back, we see that Simon was quick to return to what he knew. He returned to the familiar. He returned to the one that he could vouch for. He returned to what his eyes could see, his hand could touch, and you know, what he was sure of. Because this Jesus just really came and died, and it's like he just left me. Peter must have felt disappointed. He must have felt alone. And you know, yesterday we were talking about disappointment, heartbreak, you know, and all of that. And the disappointment we feel sometimes towards God, it's not because we don't love him. As a matter of fact, it's because we love him and we trust him. And so certain things may happen that may not add up in that moment, you know, and it's just like, ah, God, what's going on here? I'm confused. I am not sure. Someone actually sent me a message yesterday and they were asking me, oh, so Pastor Stephanie, how were you able to find your way back to trust in the Lord? So Jesus Christ said to, to Peter, he said, do you love me more than this? And when Peter said, yes, what did Jesus say? He said, feed my sheep. The proof of your love at a level, it gets to the point where the proof of your love is your active service, your acts of service in the kingdom. And what was the this that Jesus was talking about? He was talking about Peter's options because Peter had handwork. Peter had the one he could use his hand to do for himself. Peter had the ability to go and fish again. If push comes to shove, if nothing works out, last, last, I will carry my fishing rod and I will go and fish and I'll be able to feed who? Myself. But remember what Jesus said to him, I will make you a fisher of men. So in your expression, in your occupation, in your location, in your vocation as a fisherman, I will make you one that fishes men. I can so multiply this thing that you are doing that it is no longer limited to your belly, but it is now related to the destinies of men. Jesus Christ said, I will make you a fisher of men. Peter did not understand that mathematics, how you will use fishing to grab men. You know, it's just like, okay, Jesus, do your thing, carry on. It were his, those things that Jesus was talking about, they were his options his backup plans, his next resorts, his ability to do it for himself in the way that he preferred and in the way that he liked, in the way that was tailor-made to his own desires, to his own lusts, in quotes, you know. And as I say this, I'm reminded of that dream that P.I. had, and she shared it a number of times. And it's something that I always remember when she said that she was in her house, her house, actually, she had prepared a table and she was hosting her friends. So she had called people to come and eat with her. And she had made this fantastic spread. In fact, if they ask you now, tell you that you are hosting your friends, what are the things that you will bring? In fact, you know, if you even say, okay, it's a potluck, everybody brings up. I remember I got to a point in my life where all I could do was bake banana bread. So whether it's your birthday, it's your Thanksgiving, it's anything we are doing, I will bring you bread because I like banana bread. I know how to make it. I know how to use my hands to create the joy that is banana bread. You know, so at every banquet, every feast, every potluck I was doing, every Friendsgiving gathering, every time I hosted people, I always brought banana bread. If I was going to somebody's house, I would carry banana bread. Why? <laughs> the confluence of food, yes. You know, and so she created this table with all the choicest things, the small chops, the bountiful things, the things that were, you know, according to the taste of what she liked and even the people she was inviting. And, you know, she said that as she was laying the table, she looked and then she saw that, 
there was a man standing by the door in her house, only for her to go closer out of curiosity. And the man said to her, follow me. And he took her and led her into another room in the house. And when she stepped into this room, bear in mind, it is the room in her house. She stepped into the room. She said she saw another table that was laid, but it was a table that was very lean. You know, it probably had maybe unleavened bread, you know, just a very, very light, simple diet that was placed on the table. And she said that, um, first of all, Jesus said to her, don't eat with them, not because they were bad people. But he said, don't eat with them. And she said, don't eat with them in my house. I'm the one that invited them. You know, and Jesus began to, began to speak to her. And he said, the confluence of food and prayer is the place of covenants where intimate relationships are birthed. And that led her on a journey of, you know, um, seeing the importance of what you eat, the table that is placed before you, the prayers that you make, the conversations that you have with the Father, and how that brings you into a place of intimacy and covenant with the Lord. And so um, where I'm saying this to give some kind of, um, you know, reference to when you talk about your options and the things you can do for yourself, you know, your ability to create something for yourself. That was what Peter was doing. And Jesus Christ said to him, do you love me more than all of this? When all is said and done, when the chips are down, when there is, when you get to the end of yourself for a season, will you be quick to run back and look back at the things that have worked? Or will you even give me the chance and prioritize my voice and prioritize my opinion above what you have deemed right or what has worked in times past? Sometimes it's even the blessings that God has given to us in previous seasons that may stand in the way of us pushing through and breaking through into a new season. Why? Because it requires trusting in him. And so Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than this? And every time Peter said yes, he said feed. He said nurture. He said shepherd. He said teach. He said give. He said serve. Service. 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 Do not think of service. I, I pray that in the name of Jesus, we will not see service as a religious construct. We will not just see service within the confines of I am going to a physical, traditional church. But we will understand that true service comes from a heart of love, a heart of the knowledge of the person of Christ Jesus and who he is in our lives as Lord and Master. He said, serve. He said, serve. He said, don't take this light that I have given you, this time that I have spent with you in ministry, pre-ministry and during ministry. Don't go and hide it. Don't be afraid. Don't take that light and hide it on that bushel. I have put a gift in you. Be ready to allow it to shine so that those who come in can see it. So that those who come in may see it. And so we see that service is actually one of God's love languages. It is one of God's love languages. And yesterday, one of the things that we learned was that um, um, servanthood is a sign of love. In the physical, it may seem like it is a, it is a lowly, it is a lowly space or, or, or place to occupy. But in the spirit, it is a thing of honor to serve the master to serve the master. Do you know that the people that have said that when they went to cheat, I, who are, I, I can't remember whose vision it was, like um, that when he went to heaven, was it that he said he went to heaven? Or basically um, what the person shared was that when we arrive in heaven with Jesus, 
one of the things that we will find Jesus doing is serving. They said that they went and checked. They checked. I think the person said he was looking for Jesus. He went into, I don't, I don't even know what the different departments are in heaven, but he went to the places that you would expect to find Jesus because he is king and he is Lord. And they went everywhere and they searched and searched and they couldn't find him. And finally they went, where did they find Jesus? In the kitchen, serving. Jesus was serving. Do you know, serve, there's a way you can serve in love and with love that it becomes ministry. There's a friend of mine that talks about how she said that she never knew how to cook. She had no business in the kitchen because she was the last born in her family. Do you understand? She was last born. I think she's the only, okay, she's not the only girl, but she's last born. So up until she entered her husband's house, she had no business going to market. She had no business cooking. That's even stew. She had never cooked soup. She had never cooked before, you know? And then when she got married to her husband, she said that the first day when she was trying to arrange, her husband now said, okay, it's time, you know, the time had come for her to, create something nice for him to consume. And um, she said that she just prayed and said, hey, God, please, this one, you have to help me. You know, that's from Prophet Tomiara. Oh, okay. You know, so she was like, oh God, please, you have to help me, you know, because this cooking thing, I don't know my left from right. She said that when she started cooking from the very first dish that she made, that she just said, Holy Spirit, come and inspire me, come and teach me, show me how to mix the ingredients, show me, you know. And she said when she cooks it, uh uh that the husband eats it, it bursts his head. She cooked again and again. In fact, now she owns a she owns a restaurant, you know, and a catering service in Nigeria that is doing very well. And she said that she had no formal or informal teaching on how to cook. But she said that the reason why she does, and if you see the way this girl cooks for her husband, she cooks, like she makes a spread for him. There was one day I went to her house I think they had bought suya. We were all about to eat suya. So I was like, ah, okay, that's suya. Let's eat. So this one is dinner. Now she said, no, this one is just, you know, like first, whatever, first course. When she's making breakfast for him, she will make pancakes. She will put milk. And she makes everything herself. Milk, like the way she serves is because of the love that she has. She pours herself into that act of cooking, into the art of cooking, that it becomes, it's like, it's releasing incense before her husband. The secret ingredient of what she's doing is love. And so the, 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 the secret ingredient of what we do in service is love. Any service that is done without love is eye service. Any service that is done without love becomes fulfilling obligation. And it is devoid of heart. It is devoid of connection. And when you cannot connect, you cannot impart. What you cannot connect to and practicalize for people, it is impossible for them to be imparted with the life and with the love of God. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will give us understanding of what it means to truly serve. We pray, oh God, that you will establish us, oh God, establish our hearts in love so that everything that we do will be an offshoot of love, Father. Our acts of service will be pleasing unto you. They would release a sweet fragrance before you, oh God, and it will be an impartation to the words that you are drawing in, in the mighty name of Jesus. We will see, oh God, your heart in everything that we do, we will hear your voice in every action that we take. We will understand your instruction, oh God, and we will be able to take it and express it and let your light shine through us and into the world in the mighty name of Jesus. And so we see that servanthood is a sign of love to the Father. Yes, God has given you the power of choice and the and, and will, uh, you know, 
he has given you willpower. But the question is, how do you honor him even in the midst of your liberties? Do we become independent and exclusive of him or do we consult with his spirit in all things, remembering that the peak and the fullness of liberties is the participation of the Holy Spirit? For the scripture tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So do we just take our own liberties and say, oh, okay, God has given me willpower. He has given me a brain. He has given me a function, you know, so I can do as I like. Or do we actually consult with the spirit of God? As simple as that scripture is that tells us that we should trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we should acknowledge him and he'll make our path straight. It means that we cannot, it is by reason of the the, the, the gift of choice he has given us that we can actually choose him. Imagine what great joy he gives the father every time we present our choices before him. And we say, yes, Lord, I know that I can choose by myself, but I want to know what you think. I want to know your opinion. I remember not too long ago, there was a season I came into and, you know, I had to make a critical decision, you know, and I remember the other party that was involved in this decision couldn't understand why I was taking so much time. And if you asked me why, I didn't understand why initially, you know, but I just knew that I had to ask the father. You know, I knew that I needed God's opinion on the matter. And you hear people say things like, oh, God has given us willpower. That is why God gave us a brain so that so and so. I know there are certain things that go without saying, you know, that you can easily um, um, figure out by reason of practice, but there are certain issues in life where whether with practice or no practice, every time you are faced with that decision, it is honorable to ask the Lord. Sometimes you're not even doing it because he would say it is black or white. You're not doing it because he would say this is sin and this is, you know, righteousness. You are doing it because you honor him. So you go back to him and then you ask him. And so many times we have become independent and exclusive of him and we do not consult the Holy Spirit in the decisions that we make, you know, and like I said, um, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so I was trying to make this decision, um, but I was taking my time, but I wasn't taking time because I wasn't doing anything. In that period of taking the time, I was asking the Lord, I was checking things, I was praying, I was searching the spirit, I was staying in scripture, I was consulting with the trusted ones that I was surrounded with, you know, and I was saying, what do you think? What do you perceive? You know, and sometimes we say, oh, I'm asking the Lord. He's not doing anything. He's not saying anything. Maybe this means I should go. Perhaps. But sometimes there are times when the Lord is just waiting a little to see how you will engage and if you will keep searching him out. Think about it. You know, um, the thing is what God is trying to develop in us is trust because we can talk about love. But do you trust the Lord? And when you are going to represent someone and be in active service for someone, you must trust the person. There is a level of trust that is required. So trust is also key in service. Trust is what distinguishes the choice and the decisions of the servants in the parable of the talents. And that, that is why while some could move, another one stayed stuck. And, you know, when you look at that parable, uh, when we think about it, you know, uh, we always look at the master and the one that did nothing with his talents. But think about what it must have been like for the servants with two and the servants with five talents. You know, we use them as examples today. 
but what was that responsibility that they had to carry and how were they able to effectively do it? How were they able to make the decisions or the actions required? Imagine the questions and uncertainties they were faced with in the absence of their master. Just imagine, you know, and so, um, um, what was it that made them push past the uncertainty and risking it all, withholding nothing, even in the place of fear? I tell you, it was born from a place of faith. It was, it was faith that was born out of the knowledge of their master. For them to be able to say, okay, my master is not here. He has given me authority. Therefore, I can try this. Do you think that there was no risk involved? Do you think there was no fear involved? Do you think there was no uncertainty involved? You know, um, it is because they had known their master. It is because they had acquainted themselves enough with their master. It is because they had experienced and spent quality time with their master that they were able to make certain executive decisions. You know, um, and it's like, like we said, what you cannot see, you can't engage. He who you have not known, you cannot represent. So many times we want to be quick to go and represent God because we see the honor in it. We see the honor is now an honorable thing to be in ministry, to be a voice, to be a speaker, you know, and all of those things. But have you acquainted yourself with the Lord? Have you acquainted yourself with his ways? Have you accepted his standards? Have you accepted his precepts? Have you accepted his word as the final governments as yea and amen in your life or are you still choosing the ones that you can do for yourself are you just taking that which is convenient you know from the word of god and making a buffet with the decisions that you make for your life or are you fully surrendered to him so him who you have not known you cannot risk for and so we see that what the wicked servants actually said to the master was the master said oh so why didn't you take what i gave to you and why didn't you even trade with it at least to bring me profits and if you look at the response of that servant he said ah because i know you he actually said to the master i know you and everything he said to the master was saying you cannot be trusted really so i didn't want to risk it you only take risk in the direction of where your trust is people that do risk management financial um what's it called um what's it called financial consulting, you know, and all of that. You are risking all of those things. You are buying those things. You are investing in something because you trust the system. You know it is a risk, but you are like, ah, I know that what I will gain is so much more than what I give. And that's how people end up being victims of Ponzi schemes because they trust something so much. You know, they are blinded by, okay, whether it works, whether it doesn't. That, that's the thing about Ponzi schemes, actually. Nothing is guaranteed. So when it now turns around and it doesn't work out, it was an investment that was made in risk, you know? So it's just that it is disappointing because they have so much. Why are they disappointed when it doesn't work out? When they know that investment is tied to risk. But it's because they, their trust has been betrayed. The thing that they thought they knew did not work out the way that they wanted. You know, so that servant was saying to the master, ah, master, you, you cannot be trusted. You cannot be trusted. That's why I cannot risk for you. You cannot be trusted. You cannot be relied on. And the master said, ah, you don't know me. You really don't know me because if you knew me at all, so you are spending so much time with me. You are in my presence. You are, you are, you are, you are working for me but you don't know me. You haven't come so close enough to know what it is in my heart. You do not know how to make decisions or you cannot, what the, servant, what the master was saying to him was, I cannot trust you. So he may have thought, oh, I know my, I can trust the limits of his 
of, of him being my master. I can trust the limits of possibilities with him. But the master said, because I cannot trust you, you have to go. That one that I even gave you, please give me, let me give it to the one that I can trust. So we see that first it was them that were trusting the master. Then it now turned around by reason of their obedience, by reason of their stewardship, by reason of their results, and by reason of the fruits that they brought in, the master could now trust them. The Lord is not just looking for us to trust him. He wants to be able to trust us. It is trust that enables a person put responsibility on another. It is trust that will make Christ say, come and take my yoke because I can trust you with this. It is trust that allows God to give you a burden when you stay in the place of prayer and you say, Lord, show me what is on your heart. If he doesn't trust you, he won't, he cannot speak to you. And so have we allowed ourselves go to the place where it is no longer, oh, I trust the Lord, but we can say the Lord can trust me in this regard, regardless of whether it is convenient or it's inconvenient, regardless of the things that I can do or not to do for myself. He can trust me in my service in representing the kingdom. The Lord wants men and women that he can trust again. And so Jesus said, do you love me? Then feed, then foster, then take care of, then look after responsibility. So someone asked me yesterday, like I said, how I began to trust the Lord again, you know, and I know I had said I had prayed, you know, I had gone through my season of Lord, what, you know, I had times when I cried, I had times when Things were uncertain and things were not clear, you know. But after I had prayed, after I had cried, after I had told him by the grace of God, I was able to just say a few words to him, you know, articulate the things that were in my heart that I could permit to come out of my mouth, actually, because even the conversation was too heavy for me <laughs> to speak audibly. But, you know, the Lord sees our hearts. So I had to ask him to, first of all, help me desire him again. And, you know, I started to count my blessings and it led me to a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. You see, the thing about thanksgiving is that it is such a powerful tool because it gives you perspective. It helps you to see in the midst of uncertainty. The thing that you can see is what God has done for you. It is the blessings that God has given you. It's the times that he has come through for you. It is the testimony of Jesus in your life. Those are the things you can see. And so there are seasons where it's like, okay, what's going on? I don't know. Just cast your mind to a place where God showed up for you. And if we look at it, he shows up for us every day. The fact that you are here today, you haven't been broken down. Even though you've been pressed and pushed on every side, you are still standing. You still have hope. You can still trust. You are still on this call. You are still ready to pray. You are still seeking the Lord, regardless of the circumstance. It is enough reason to say, Father, I thank you because it is by your mercies that I have not been consumed, whether it is by my ignorance or whether it is by the demands of life or whether it's by the circumstances that I am surrounded with. Lord, I thank you. And thanksgiving, it is a powerful tool. It gives us perspective. Then it multiplies that which was and that that we we have. And we see that happening in the life of Jesus. You know, at the time when he was done teaching, and you see, literally what happened was Jesus did the will of the Father. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught, he fed, he led, he fueled the people with the word of God. He established God's kingdom on the earth in the lives of those people. And then he could say, um, um, give us this day our daily bread. They literally needed bread 
at the next point they had gotten to. And so Jesus lifted up the basket. He said, what do we have? He took what was available. He lifted it up and he gave thanks. And the Lord multiplied by reason of his obedience in active service and also by reason of his thanksgiving. Service, thanksgiving, multiplication. Service, thanksgiving, multiplication. And so Jesus took that and he gave thanks. And we see that as a template for multiplication. So Thanksgiving also helps you get into a place of provision. And you know, as I began to do this, I started to thank God. I started to say, God, thank you for all the times when I wasn't sure. And it wasn't too long ago. I wasn't sure of a lot of things. How I even arrived at this place where you can have this conversation with me, it was a standout of a season of uncertainty, but still I chose to to trust you. And I was reminded of every time I dared to choose him in previous times and even in times of uncertainty and fear and then the fear of missing it, you know, and I realized that the equation was his love plus my obedience led to my safety and security. And I said, God, if you could do it before, then you would do it again. God, because you are faithful, that is why I have faith in you. And I remembered that and my testimony provided the proof and the content that I needed to ride upon while I shuffled my feet back to strength and stability. My brothers and sisters, this is how you wait upon the Lord. The Bible tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. How are you renewing your strength when you don't have strength? What is the thing that is giving you strength? It is the remembrance of the goodness of God in your life that strengthens you and produces joy to break out of your soul. It is the remembrance of the testimony of Jesus that gives you the content and the material for prophetic works to happen in your life. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It says, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. What is that thing that gives you the stability, the thing that gives you the strength, the thing that renews you? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You cannot effectively wait upon the Lord without having a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. This is how you wait on the Lord. And so what I did not realize I was going through was a season of waiting. Have I fully arrived at the point where I can now categorically say that, yes, this is what the Lord was leading me to? Not yet, but I am not in a place of doubt in this season. I have broken past that fear of God. I don't know if I can trust you. And he has helped me navigate my way out of that uncertainty. That uncertainty that deprives me from journeying with him. Remember yesterday we talked about journeying with and in the Lord. If you are going to represent God to the people, you have to be a person that is on the move, moving according to the frequency and the wavelength of the spirit. Because you are, your life is a light. And remember, light is onto the path and the feet of the one that moves. Why is the light um, linked to your foot? It is linked to your foot and your feet because it is with your feet that you walk. And so you cannot be light if you are stagnant. You cannot be light if you are not journeying. What is the purpose of having the light and not moving? You might as well be in darkness because darkness blinds you from seeing what is ahead or what is around. So you do not know the direction to go. And so if the Lord is calling us as light to walk in the service of the kingdom and to the service of the of the body of Christ, then we must be those that can journey with him. And for you to be able to journey in him, you must have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving because that is what will give you perspective in the times where things seem to be bleak, when things seem to be unknown, when things seem to be uncertain. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your word. We pray, oh God, that you will give us a heart of thanksgiving. We pray, oh God, that we will not forget the things you have done for us. We pray, oh God, that you will give us the grace to remember the times when you showed up, the times when we encountered you, the times when we were ignorant of what you were doing, but by your mercy, you revealed to us, Lord how you have delivered us. Baba, we thank you for all the times that you were in the midst of us and we did not know, just like Jacob at Bethel, Lord. We thank you because it was by your grace we were saved. Father, we give you praise for every time we looked past your blessings, oh God, for every time we downplayed the gifts that you had given us, for every time we did not give priority or we did not take up in responsibility the things that you placed in us, the calling for which we were called, Lord. Every time that we took our own personal desires above the calling of Jesus Christ. Lord, we repent this morning. We ask for forgiveness, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for choosing us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for making us your delegates. We thank you, O oh God, for making us representatives. We thank you for the harvest. We thank you for the body of Christ. Father, we thank you for all the times that Thank you for even allowing us arrive at this point. And we repent for all the times that we have neglected the body, for the times that we failed to see that you and the body are one, that there is one body, there is one faith, there is one hope, there is one baptism. Every time we were agents of separation and segregation, Lord, by our action, by our thoughts, Lord, by our lack of response and by the by the by our reason of not even rising up to the occasion for which you called us, for the times when you gave us the opportunities to serve, the opportunities to partner, the opportunities, Lord, even to teach, to, to, to galvanize your people, to pray. And we chose our convenience. Lord, we repent for every time we could not see you walking in the midst of us, Lord. And we chose our selfish desires for every time we chose to go back to fish because we had not seen you and we had not known what you required of us. Lord, we repent for every time we misjudged you and it led us to a place where we couldn't trust you for every time that we couldn't take risk for you for reason of self-preservation. Lord, we repent. We pray that you deliver us, Lord, from the spirit of selfishness that has plagued a generation. We pray, oh God, for deliverance from selfishness today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we pray, oh God, that even in this season of encounter, that we would encounter you through the pages of scripture. We would so acquaint ourselves with you that we will grow up, Lord, in the knowledge of who you are, in the mighty name of Jesus. For every time we have even taken the word of God for granted and made it of no effect in our lives, Lord, we repent today in the name of Jesus. We ask, oh God, that your forgiveness, oh God, and your mercy will speak over us in the mighty name of Jesus. Baba, we pray this morning that you will teach us once again. We pray, oh God, that you will give us a desire for you once again. Father, we pray, oh God, that you will help us trust in you once again. We pray, oh God, that you will remind us, oh God, begin to remind us, Holy Spirit, bring to our remembrance all things. Call up the memories and the testimonies from when we were first saved, oh God, even up until now. Father, the times you came through for us, the times you 
delivered us, the times that you chastised us, oh God, the times that you allowed us to go through challenges for our strengthening, for our edification, and for our learning. Father, for all the times that you were God in our lives, oh God, Father, help us to see the goodness of who you are, Lord, through our trials, through our tribulations, through our testimonies, and through all the things that we have experienced in life, my God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise and we, we thank you. Thank you for the gifts that you have given to us. For you ascended, you gave gifts to men. Father, the Bible says that what does this mean if you did not first descend for the battles you had to fight, for the ransom that was given, oh God. Father, for the shaming of the of the principalities and powers, Lord, for our benefits, oh God. Every time we looked down on our gifts, every time we despised our gift, Lord, Father, what we have said to you is that you have wasted your time. And Lord, we repent today. And we pray, oh God, that you will begin to cause us to see the graces in that which we carry in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, oh God, that you will open our eyes to see, oh Oh God, the weightiness of the calling that has been placed upon our lives in the mighty name of Jesus, that we may be able to live a life that is worthy of our calling, worthy of our assignment, worthy of our ordination in the mighty name of Jesus. When all is said and done, oh God, let us be men and women that you can trust. Let us be men and women that you can have faith in. When the son of man returns, let him find faith in us by reason of our works, by reason of our service, by reason of our acts and responsibilities in the mighty name of Jesus. What distinguished the apostles, the book in, in the Bible is actually called the acts of the apostles. It was their acts. It was their actions that proved their calling, that proved their office as apostles. It was their acts. Lord, let our acts be born out of love, of understanding, and of the knowledge of you, and not out of eye service, religiosity, oh God, and hypocrisy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. This is our prayer this morning, oh God. We ask, Father, that your will be done and your kingdom be established in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord strengthen you. And may he multiply this that you have received. May he show you how to multiply his word in your life. Let it not just be in one area of your life, but let it shine bright and break through barriers in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I pray that the grace of God will keep you, will strengthen you, and may his hand be upon you, and that you will continue to remember the words that you have received on this altar. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to invite us to give to people of influence and to give to prayer ring. Um, partner with us, give to support the work that we do. Um, prayer ring, mantle of Deborah. There are so many expressions um, of the people of influence. Yesterday, someone reached out to me and said, hey, Pastor Stephanie, I'd like to pay my tithe to prayer ring. It's not that someone was giving, um, it's not that someone was giving money or that someone was giving, it wasn't about they are giving money, but it was what blessed me in that was, I don't think there was a call that was made to give yesterday, but for the fact that someone could look and see and say, this place is worth my offering. I don't just want to give my offering. I want to give my tithe here. 
it was such a blessing to me. And you see, I want us to draw an example from that. If you look at um, Jacob in Bethel, when Jacob slept and woke up and he said, ah, the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. What did Jacob do? The Bible says that Jacob took oil and he poured it on that altar. Now, if you look at oil, if you look at oil, you see that oil is something that can be used for many things. Do you understand? Oil is something that you can use to cook. You can use it to moisturize your body. You can use it as a preservative. You can use it to, you, you need it to keep your fire burning. You know, you need it to anoint yourself. You need it to dress your wounds. He could have done so many things with his oil, but he said, this place is deserving of my oil. And he took his oil and he poured it. Look at the woman with the alabaster box. She took her box and she broke it before the rest. And others were saying, ah, ah, but this thing, it was so expensive. Why did she throw it away? Why did she waste it? Jesus Christ said, the poor you will always have with you. But as for me, I'm with you for a short time. It is a thing of honor when we give to the Lord, when we say, ah, Lord, you have blessed me. It is wrong for us as culture and as practice to ever come and receive so much and we don't give. We should give. Even me, I'm going to give my offering after this service. I'm going to give my offering. If this house, this ministry has truly blessed you, then give. I can see the links to give are being shared. If you want to give with pray, um, PayPal, it's prayer ring. Um, Sister Phyllis, if you're on the call, please, can you put the PayPal for prayer in as well for people that want to give with PayPal? Um, the link to give to people of influence, the prayer ring, um, Nigerian accounts, FCMB. Please share so that people can see and people can give. And if you don't receive it here, you can always send a message on the group or it will be posted on the group for you to give as well. And I pray that as you give, the Lord will bless, increase, multiply, and honor you. And your seed will, will, will speak for you in the name of Jesus. There was something I heard someone say that your seed, it may leave your hands, but it will never leave your life. So it will continue to speak for you. May the Lord bless you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in Jesus' name. I love you. And it's been great waking up every morning to pray with you, to journey with you, to share scriptures with you. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. As a matter of fact, prayer is very likely to have a physical meeting before the end of the month. If that happens, we will share the details. It's going to be a prayer meeting. You know, it's the season of Pentecost. So the Lord has been speaking to us about Pentecost a lot. And I believe that one of the ways that we can, you know, fully enter um, the message and the spirit of Pentecost is by gathering together in fellowship and in prayer. Remember the four things, apostolic teachings, fellowship, communion, and prayers. Apostolic teachings have been happening in this season. Our fellowship, our prayers, and our communion. I believe that when we come together physically, we are able to achieve that. So please look out for that information. If we do hold the Pentecost meeting, um, you will be informed. And so if you're in Lagos, if you're in Abuja, wherever you are, you can plan. By next week, we will know for certain if that is a goal and it will most likely be on the 27th of May. So if that happens, you'll be informed. Make your plans, buy your tickets, and I'll look forward to seeing you in Lagos, Nigeria. God bless you all. Someone is asking for account details. Please give the account details. I will see you again soon. See you tonight at the Rise of the Apostolic Generation with Apostle EC. Bye for now. Have a fantastic day. Love you.